Today's podcast is brought to you by Auto Conversion. B2B companies are faced with a multitude of challenges today when it comes to sales and marketing. The perpetual need to be creating demand will almost never subside. But with so much noise in the marketplace, how can your company's message cut through and reach your target audience? At Auto Conversion, we have a way. Through conversations and relationships, we help our clients form, package, and deliver their branded messages in unique ways that create awareness, spark interest, and drive demand. Find out how in our brand new B2B Demand Generation Quick Start Guide, which you can download free today at www.autoconversion.net or by texting ACB2B to 555-888. That's ACB2B to 555-888. If you aren't growing your business, then your business is shrinking. Get the free guide today. Hey, we got a good show lined up for you today. Oh, well, I'm a Game of Thrones nut, so that's, that's, that's my jam. The robots are listening. The robots are listening. All right, everybody. Welcome here. Welcome back to today's Mobility Tech and Connectivity show. This is our live weekly webcast on how we are connected and the way we get around. I'm Ryan Girardi. Thank you for joining us. It's great to have you here. Today is Wednesday, September 11th a solemn day of remembrance for sure, and we will honor uh, this day here on the show today. So today we do have lined up. Daimler is testing autonomous trucks in Virginia. I've brought up trucks a few times on the show. I'm fascinated with that subject, so a little news bit around that. Uh, Ford is working on self-cleaning sensors for their autonomous cars. And then the big question here is, can ride-hailing offset the decline in new car sales. And to take part in that discussion with me, I have Brian Allen in the wings. He's going to be up here in just a moment. Brian Allen is executive vice president at Hire Car, which is a really special company that dabbles into ride hailing and ride sharing. So we'll get into what Hire Car is and how they're creating new uh, profit streams for, for auto dealers. Really fascinating subject. I'm excited to bring Brian on in just a few moments. Now, I'm going to stop sharing my screen. A couple of things if you're new here. Uh, it's great to, have you here, uh, great to have you here if you're new. And uh, if you're a regular, always it's great to have you back. Whether this is your first time or your last, I am grateful for your visit. So we do this uh, every Wednesday about two o'clock. It's a live stream on our YouTube channel and it's recorded and then it's featured on the Auto Converse podcast. So thank you and shouts out to all of our podcast listeners. Appreciate you. And, uh, and, and, and if you like what we do, remember, just uh, share with a friend and let others know about the podcast as well. Um, once the live stream ends, the, the video on YouTube becomes unlisted, which means you really can't access the archive unless there's a couple different ways to do that. And you have to have the link and you get the link by subscribing to our YouTube channel. Turn on notifications, press that little bell, and every time we schedule the show, you get uh, YouTube will send you uh, the link to the show, and not just this show, but all of the uh, shows that we do on our channel. Another way is you can sign up for the show. So go to autoconversion.net, look under shows, look for the Mobility Tech and Connectivity Show, and uh, register, and that will get you access into our Slack network, which is our member 
network and uh, gives you kind of backstage access to everything that we have going on. And finally, get out your phones. If you haven't opted in, we will send you a link on your phone via text message. Text the keyword autoconverse to 64600 and we will send that to you. Now, let's get into some news items. Before I forget, um, we've got some great new partnership announcements, both with Driving Sales and a really niche uh, event coming up called the Automotive Warranty Summit. So I'll speak to those later in the day, but let us know you're here. Leave a comment. Uh, make sure that uh, wherever you're watching, whether live or in the replay, leave a comment and let me know you're here, whether you're on LinkedIn or YouTube or our website, and you will automatically be entered to win one of two complimentary dealer passes to next month's driving sales executive summit. So let's do this. Brian, you're here. So let's go ahead and get your camera on. Thank you for waiting in the wings. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) Well, thank you very much, Ryan. Thank you. Great to have you here. You are dialing in uh, from Southern California, correct? Los Angeles in the wonderful Hollywood Hills of Laurel Canyon. Okay. Okay. Um, so I, I don't want to get into the weather, but I imagine it's uh, still pretty nice and warm and sunny out there. It is. It's beautiful. We have a rare uh, early fall. It's technically not fall, but weather starts to turn mm-hmm. here. And it's been, it was hot and humid yesterday. So it's pretty rare. Still pool weather out here for us, which is cool. Indeed. So um, what I'd like to do, today's Patriot Day. And Patriot Day was formed... Uh, as a result of 9-11 to to honor and commemorate that. And I did want to take uh, a brief moment to honor 9-11. It's one of those events that everyone knows exactly where they were at that, at that day and time. And um, I know me, I had, I had um, a couple of just very vivid memories from that day uh, that I, that I share with people. Um, But what about yourself? Could you bring us back to, to that day and let us, what's your story from 9-11? You know, I was on the showroom floor uh, at our Lincoln Mercury and Mazda store in Van Nuys with Galpin. And it just, uh, gosh, I think it was, I don't know, 7.30 in the morning, maybe. I typically would get to the store between 7 and 7.30. And uh, if I remember correctly, it was about that time, but right on the showroom floor and it was just astonishing. There was uh, we had a few porters, our receptionist, and some people started screaming from the service department. Actually, that where we had a TV. I wasn't really aware what was on. We had a TV on the showroom floor, but I wasn't really watching it. And I just heard it, it sounded like something bad was happening in the dealership. And then uh, I ran back to the service department, saw what people were looking at, and this was the. Uh, not too many flat screens were around at this time. We still had the big cathode ray mm-hmm. uh, TVs, cathode ray tubes, and uh, and we saw what was happening. And no one really understood it. The video was replaying, and then the sec- when the second plane hit the tower, that's when things really got ugly. And of course, were understood to a greater extent. So that it just shattered the day. And of course, we're living with it. And you know, not only, of course, to the families that suffered tra- tragedies of death and uh, physical harm, but uh, a special shout out to the res- first responders that today are suffering from the effects of the dust and the chemicals 
and what they were exposed to in saving the lives of others. So I, my, of course, heartfelt congratulations, or I should say thanks mm-hmm. and compassion to those that are suffering today still for the heroic duties that they did on that tragic day. Thank you for, for saying that. If anything positive came out of that, those events was uh, an, a complete about face and awareness of, of first responders. I don't think prior to that it was it really ever had the recognition that they, that they, that, you know, military vets have always received. Right. First responders do. Very eye opening. Well, yeah. I, I wanted to take just a, a brief moment of silence if we could on the show um, Very good. and, and, and uh, honor of, of uh, 9-11. Very good. And thank you, folks, for um, for being here with us on that. Mike, the car guy, I see you're here online. Mike's also from uh, Southern California, so he says hello. Hi, Mike. Mike. You know Mike? I do. I okay. do. We had a wonderful dinner at driving sales. Or excuse me, at uh, dealer, digital dealer. Digital dealer. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. I saw you guys in the restaurant after, uh, as I was as I was getting ready to leave. Fun, fun. Um, that was a fun event for you, I think, wasn't it? Yes, indeed. I. You know, it just gets better and better. I love being around progressive dealers, influential people. And, you know, what this show is going to be about is about the survival instinct of, of dealers. And I kind of coin a term, I think I call it survival, because it's so many pundits out there think that dealers are uh, an unnecessary part of the automotive retail ecosystem. And frankly, I couldn't be more opposite in that belief. And I I know that dealers not only add value, but especially progressive dealers improve the whole experience for everybody. So, and I think we're going to take a moment to talk about a certain angle of that opportunity today. Yeah, I wrote the term down, survival. So in the little chat, (laughs) I'd like to put out some of the quotes that come up there. So yeah, let's, let's do this. Um, Give us a, a, a real brief overview of what hire car is. Sure. Well, if, you know, if you think of just Airbnb, where it's an online marketplace that connects people that have unused property or a room, a space, and connect it to people that want to use that space on a temporary basis. In essence, rent, right? Well, technology is now enabling the digital marketplace to connect people for the short-term use of all kinds of items. And what we did is Hire Car started as a peer-to-peer model, meaning that private individuals that own cars that were not being used frequently, uh, maybe a college student was going to college and the parents had a Honda Civic in the garage for months at a time. Well, we created a platform to put those cars on a, a digital marketing solution that allowed drivers that need a vehicle to use that, you know, really nothing different than a rental car, except instead of being Avis or Hertz or dollar rent a car, this is a private individual that can get into this business. Now the higher car twist is this, while peer-to-peer has been around for a little while, Turo, Get Around, and some other companies do this, higher car realized that there is another opportunity and that is ride share drivers. 
And and actually, I, I have to correct myself because rideshare isn't the correct term. It's ride hailing. Mm-hmm. Rideshare is when you really carpool, where a car is going a certain direction and multiple people are going to go in that same direction. Ride hailing is when you actually hire a car. We used to call them taxi cabs, uh, but you hire a car to go to a specific destination that you control. So what's what most people don't realize is that your Uber and Lyft drivers, they do not, are more, almost 40%, and in some markets more than that, Uber and Lyft drivers do not have a qualifying vehicle. So they've traditionally been either borrowing a friend's car or using a car without disclosing what they were going to use that car for, meaning uh, ride hailing. And uh, that is a little bit of a slippery slope when it comes to insurance because God forbid something happens, insurance can deny the coverage. Well, HireCar uh, pivoted and created a unique insurance solution to cover drivers to rent cars from private individuals for rideshare. Well, that worked just fine. Matter of fact, the company went public doing so well. But we run into a vehicle supply issue. And the company was growing so fast that basically it plateaued where it ran out of vehicles from private owners. And this is where I came in and that uh, I have my retail background is with Galpin Motors. And I was there over 30 years. And I was the general manager and group uh, director of business development. I oversaw nine uh, stores for Galpin, namely the luxury stores and their Japanese stores. And uh, one of the things I recognized that rideshare drivers were coming in every day wanting to either buy cars or rent them, and we were not in position to serve them because either the banks wouldn't finance them or we couldn't get insurance to rent them a car. Well, now technology is available for dealers to be able to offer this and hire a car. I approached hire a car with a marketing plan to say, hey, I've been in the retail business a long time with one of the largest private retailers in the world. And I think I can help OEMs and dealers understand how they can make money and profit from what many are saying is a threat to the dealer retail model. And that is offer vehicles for rideshare drivers to rent them with the entire purpose to sell them a car. And that's, that's the essence of it. And we'll talk about a lot more benefits, but that's it. Yeah. And from what I understand, and I think I got this from your interview with uh, John Fitzpatrick on CBT, something Mm. like 15 million rides a day uh, occur in the U S and I think over 90% of those drivers are only working uh, less than 20 hours a week. Well, you just keyed in on something that's absolutely critical. And this is a statistic that very few people know because it was buried in the Uber and Lyft IPO documents called the S1 documents. And that was this, the vast majority, and as as you accurately stated, over 90% of the drivers are part-time. And the reason that happened was when Uber first came out in 2012, the vast majority of drivers were full-time professional drivers, and some were disenfranchised taxi and limo drivers. But bottom line is these are people that literally drove the wheels off of cars. And they would drive five to 10,000 miles a month. And the dealers that sold these people cars and the banks that financed them, they got burnt initially. 
In fact, Uber had a leasing program for these drivers, and they end up having to get out of that business for, uh, uh, unfortunately, a loss. But bottom line is, is the vehicles weren't managed well, and this is where we come in. So now, today, when in 2013, the average daily driver usage or rideshare rental, uh, let me speak, say that, the average amount of rideshare uh, drives a day was 120,000 drives a day. That was seems like a lot, but by only five and a half years later to February, the last month they, they published it, over 15 million rides a day, as you stated. The only way that can happen is through part-time drivers. So today, the average uh, ride-hailing driver, whether it's Uber, Lyft, and a couple other smaller companies, they're driving about four to five hours a day, maybe six. And they have other jobs. These are people that are the fabric of society. Now, many of the, these people have cars that don't qualify. They're either older or maybe they don't want to use their own car or they're a two-door and some of them have motorcycles. So needless to say, they have to start out by renting. And then our platform not only enables that, but we get the vehicle supply from dealers from their aged, idle inventory, or even purpose-allocated cars like off-lease or retired loaners. So you had referenced a, uh, a quote, if you will, by uh, Brian Benstock at Paragon about opportunities disguised as threats. Yes. And in a recent article up on uh, Autumn News, they were talking about how ride-hailing uh, has a potential to offset a decline, this decline in car sales, but the, the impending uh, decline in new car sales that we're, haven't really seen hit drastically, but I think is still anticipated and forecast. So is the whole idea of rent to own, is that what's off, what is anticipated to offset the sales or is it something else or is it a combination of things? Well, it's definitely a combination. And, uh, and yes, I, I definitely want to give credit to uh, Brian Benstock for that quote of, opportunities disguised as threats because many people from outside the automotive retail industry are saying, gee, people are going to own less and less cars. Now that may come to fruition. And matter of fact, I think we're seeing it to a small degree, even myself where I have three cars, I'm probably only going to have two soon. I use Uber uh, mostly and I use Lyft to some degree as well. But the bottom line is this, is cars still need to be produced to serve this on-demand transportation economy. So the issue isn't that there's going to be less cars made. The issue is going to be either because of economic reasons, there might be less cars sold, or consumer trends in their uh, consumption of how they use a car will change to where they, in essence, use them on demand you could call it rental, you could call it subscription, or you could call it ride hailing. All of it is on demand. But here's my belief, and we've proven this to be accurate. The dealer is in the best position to control a, a fleet of vehicles, no matter how a customer wants to use them, whether they want to buy it, finance it, lease it, rent it, or use a subscription service or something like uh, ride hailing and dealers. Here's the key dealers already have the infrastructure, dealers own the real estate. And something I learned a long time ago is that the person who owns the land controls the hand. 
Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what's going on. But the person who has real estate, especially like dealers that own real estate uh, for a long period of time, they, they own real estate in, from 1950s to 1990s dollars. If you try to buy a large piece of real estate today to control a rental fleet, that's very expensive. The barrier uh, to entry for a transportation network company to form today, if you want to go out and buy a thousand vehicles, you, you're better off to be involved with a dealership who already, already has a, a lot that has capacity and already has a low overhead cost to administer, however, whether it's autonomous cars, rideshare cars, subscription, whatever it is. And the dealer has the service department. In mm-hmm. fact, I get a little too excited about this, but <laughs> dealers profit from every facet. And this is what so many people are missing. Dealers profit from the service aspect, the parts aspect, taking trade-ins, reselling used cars. In fact, with the rideshare and the on-demand transportation, dealers that look at vehicles as a revenue-generating on uh, opportunity instead of a liquidation opportunity are capturing this, this incredible new revenue stream and really leveraging this whole, what is supposed to be a threat to the retail industry. That was really powerful. Can you just repeat that? I want to make sure that, that I didn't mix up dealers that look at, at, the, at today's model as an, as an acquisition. Yeah, it's, it's, let me try to make it more succinctly. They need to change the mindset of vehicles being a liquidation, Mm -hmm. either retail or wholesale, to a revenue mindset that's reoccurring revenue monthly off the same asset. And if you think of the greatest wealth of the world in the world is generated by three industries, real estate, software as a service, and utilities. All three of those industries have something in common reoccurring recurring revenue. Mm-hmm. And now the dealer is in the best position to have a fleet of vehicles that earn monthly income that not only in, uh, insulates a depreciation expense, but they sell these people cars because frankly, owning a car is still less expensive than renting. And now we're getting the OEMs and partnering with banks to do shorter term loans for higher mileage drivers so that they can easily finance at competitive rates instead of paying, you know, excessive interest rates because the car would be used as a quote rental or for ride hailing. So folks, you're tuned in here to uh, the mobility tech and connectivity show. And I'm talking here, whoops, I just hit the wrong button there. Talking here with Brian Allen from Hire Car. And what we're getting into are the, the new revenue streams that are, that are forming out of, uh, out of the shared economies such as ride hailing and companies like Hire Car. Now we could get a lot more into this, but we like to keep the show down to about uh, half an hour. So I wanna, I wanna start kind of winding this down, but there's one other development that came out earlier in the, earlier in the, in the summer, if you will. California has introduced a bill called AB5 that uh, impacts companies uh, like I guess like higher car, but really companies like Uber and Lyft and the bill is designed to uh, give independent contractors, which would 
which would we would classify as Uber and Lyft drivers, and food delivery services like DoorDash and Instacart and whatnot, to give them the same benefits of mm-hmm. of employees. How does this bill? Is this a positive, negative, or not, or non non benefit or impact to uh, to hire a car? Well, oddly, Ryan, it's it's not an impact in this and for this reason. Hire car's business model is kind of like the general store selling shovels and picks in the gold rush. Uh, whether a, an a Uber driver is an employee or they're a gig economy contract worker, they still need a vehicle. So we, we will survive regardless. Uh, it, based on recent news today, it looks like there might be a carve out for the drivers. And in my experience, the drivers, most importantly, they just, they want fair pay. And I'm already seeing that happen. Uh, if anybody, the audience listening today has taken an Uber or Lyft recently, they now have multiple tiers. It used to be just Uber. Now there's Uber X, there's Uber XL, there's Uber Comfort, there's Uber Black, there's Uber SUV. And I believe in the very near future, you're going to be able to request even the model or make a car you want as the growth occurs. Mm-hmm. So what's happening is the drivers are in position to make more money as more uh, affluent riders are coming into using ride hailing. Uh, here's the statistic that we know because we're in this business, uh, but the public, the other public companies don't like to share this, but I have no problem sharing this. The rideshare industry is growing dramatically, but not as much from what you might assume where it's higher income people. It's mostly been lower income people that frankly have been taking advantage of Uber pool and Lyft instead of public transportation. So public transportation has been somewhat negatively affected. The the affluent driver typically likes to drive himself because they want to be in a nicer car. Well, as Uber and Lyft improve the quality of the vehicles, and this is exactly where dealers come in, because dealers traditionally have newer vehicles that are under warranty and better quality, then the drivers can charge more, and there's still what we call elasticity in pricing, because it's still relatively expensive to use this on-demand ride-hailing compared to hiring a limo to go to the airport or other things like that. So as more affluent people get into this ride-hailing phenomenon, which is not a trend, it's here to stay, drivers can make more money, and that's going to take care of itself. But AB5, whether it passes or not, does not affect the dealers or people who supply cars. It it may affect Uber, and they may have to raise their rates a little bit, but we, we know that, frankly, I could tell you rates are probably a little too low. That's why demand is so doggone high. Yeah, I was looking into that, the predicament that both Uber and Lyft are in. If one of them jacks the price up, then it, it tilts the scale for, the, for their competitors. So they're kind of locked in. And that's, that does ultimately benefits the passenger. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't so much benefit the driver. And these are the types of things that capitalism and markets, marketplaces sort themselves out. I'm right. anxious to see when we're going to get a third player because reality is, Uber is what is much more than a ride hailing company. I, they are a concierge company, multidimensional yes. and Lyft is, is a true ride hailing company. Now you bring in services like hire a car and drive it away and whatnot that, that are going to start to really 
uh, transform and evolve the model. As yes. That's going to that's gonna impact the cost structure of all of this. Well, here's you just touched on something very important before we end. And the dealers are in the best position to lower the cost of the vehicle supply because a car, a dealer has cars on their lot that they're not earning a dollar of revenue on. Yep. So in fact, we have some dealers that charge $20, $25 a day for a car. And their goal is simply to sell that driver a car. Uh, I, I've got, we have clients that are giving a free week of driving just to get a driver in a car with the goal to sell it to them. And it, it's just a wonderful opportunity. So again, this is why I get so excited that dealers have a whole new channel of customers that, that are, are available today and the technology that Hirecar uh, shares with the dealers to do this makes it turnkey. They don't have to invest in property. We handle the insurance. It, it's, it truly is uh, a wonderful solution to leverage the assets the dealer already owns and frankly, no additional capital investment is required. I'm with you. Fascinating time. We've, we've covered this a lot. You know, Cliff Banks has said for, for a long time, dealers aren't going anywhere. And the more we, the more we explore that, the more you realize that dealers are in, in great position. They just have to be willing and open to adapt to these new, these new revenue models. And like you said, um, they're, they're in the best position to do that. So Brian, I appreciate you coming up here and sharing all this. Thank you. My pleasure, Ryan. And thank you to the audience. So we'll go ahead and let Brian go. And uh, Brian, you just hang in the wings there for a minute while we wind down the show. So Brian Allen, everybody from Higher Car. And, uh, you know, that's a subject matter that we'll continue to stay on and, and explore uh, around the clock, um, around the clock, around the world, uh, these fascinating new models that are, that are occurring. So just a couple of things as we wind down uh, the show today, I'm going to share my screen. We have a couple of really cool announcements. And by the way, I did bring up at the beginning of the show, uh, just some cool tech stuff that, that, that uh, is developing out there. And so for one, you know, I, I, I've brought up the trucking industry a few times. I'm perplexed that more is not put into self-driving autonomous trucks. To me, it seems like uh, you can stick a driver uh, in in a truck and and have a lot of autonomous features to get that that truck from place to place and swap drivers in and out. The infrastructure is not there, but they're working on that. And Daimler, who's kind of leading the way uh, in a lot of ways, they are now openly testing uh, trucks in uh, the Virginia area, uh, right outside of Blacksburg, Virginia, which coincidentally is near. Washington, D.C. Um, it's the first time they've admitted to testing self-driving trucks on public roads, but their subsidiary Freightliner has been testing autonomous trucks in Oregon. But they're testing SAE Level 4 autonomous trucks on public highways. And I wanted to report that because it's something we're, I'm trying to keep a pulse on up here. Um, in other developments around autonomous vehicles, Ford has been working on self-cleaning sensors if you think about cars being on the road more, especially like we're just talking about with Brian around uh, fleet services for ride hailing, uh, for, for, yeah, for, for ride hailing, these cars are going to be on the road a lot longer, which means what? They need, to clean, they need to be cleaned more often too. So Ford is actually working on self-cleaning sensors for, for their vehicles uh, right now. So something else to keep an eye on. All these neat little things uh, 
that come out. All right, let's, um, let me go share my screen here. And then we'll go ahead and wind this down. Bada boom, bada bing. So I had mentioned that our, I had brought this up. It's been going on a couple of weeks now. Our media partnership with Driving Sales, that's coming up October 6th through 8th. We will have a media station uh, at, the, at the summit in the mezzanine right outside the expo hall. And I'm happy to announce uh, we, you know, we've been working on establishing three uh, partnerships, three co-sponsoring partnerships uh, to partake in the media summit with us. And I'm happy to announce that we will uh, be partnering with uh, Fixed Ops Digital, who we partnered with at Digital Dealer, and glad to have them back, Owen and Kevin and team, uh, as well as Dealer Built, DMS. Mike, the car guy, I think you were just on here. So if you're still up here, shouts out to you and Veronica and your team for, for jumping in. And then also we're going to be looking at having Call Source partner with us as well. And what that means is, we're going to be conducting a series of interviews at the media station at the summit at the ARIA Convention Center on the 6th, the 7th, and the 8th. So if you're interested in being a part of that with us and you have relationships with these companies and these folks, uh, let me know, let them know, and let us know how you'd like to get involved. And like I said, we've got two complimentary passes to give away, dealer passes, so let me know that you're tuned in, whether on the podcast, the live stream, or the recording, and we'll enter in for our drawing later uh, later this month. Actually, next week we'll be announcing that. And next week I got a cool lineup going. We have uh, we have. Um, I'm sorry, I just jumped the gun. No, I didn't. I didn't jump the gun. So later in October there is the Automotive Warranty Management Summit. Now this is really niche, not quite as techy as you might be used to around here. But there's some neat stuff going on in warranty management solutions. And we're proud to announce our partnership with the fourth annual Automotive Warranty Management Summit, October 22nd and 23rd at the Henry Hotel in Dearborn. We have an exclusive offer for auto conversion members. So uh, if you're in the warranty business and you'd like to participate in that, let me know. Uh, read the post, the announcement about it on our blog, about our partnership. Uh, you can get two complimentary dealer passes to that uh, if you um, just by purchasing your, your ticket by the end of this year. We have a promo code out for that. So let me know. And we have a couple guests next week. We have Tony Gomes from Honda coming on. And I should be more prepared. Oh, Ashok Cartham uh, from Mize coming on. And Terry Lancaster is going to be back on the air with me. And so we'll be talking about the Warranty Management Summit a little bit as well. I'm Ryan Girardi. Thanks so much again for tuning in. And uh, I can't say, well, today's Patriot Day. And we did uh, want to honor those affected by 9-11. Um, we did that with a moment of silence earlier. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll be back same time, same place next week. Have a great rest of your week, everyone. This is Autoburst Media.